Hi, this is Michael Buffer, and welcome to the Box Hard Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Mikey Garcia. It's the monster from the swamps, Regis Ruguru Program. Hey, what's up? This is King Carlos Molina, former IBF world champ. This is Michael, the bounty hunter, 2012 Olympian and your people's champ. This is Charlie Edwards, flyweight champion of the world. This is Fast Eddie Chambers, and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man, Joey Coastman. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 204 of the Box Hard Podcast. I'm your host, Joey Coastman. I'm joined, though, as always, by the elusive Mr. Ayaz Sumra. Ayaz, how are you doing? I'm good, Joe. Yourself? Very good, my friend. Very good. Right, let's try to dive through everything pretty quickly here. Let's start with the review part. We're going to start at the Karokian Hall in Tokyo, Japan. Just one fight to mention. Former world champion Jorge Linares. It was fight number 51. He moved to 46 wins, and he's got, of course, those five losses. It ended up being a unanimous decision over 10 rounds against Al Toyagon. Um, On the judges' scorecards, it was pretty much a shutout win there for Linares, but... Um, I've heard, because I haven't seen the fight, but I've heard that he was hurt a couple times, I think, in the second round, I believe it was. So it seems like Toyagon went out there straight away, um, you know, straight out the blocks, tried to hurt his man there and, you know, pretty much repeat what happened in Linares' last fight. And um, it seemed like there was a bit of a storm that Linares had to weather, but he certainly did and he got the win again. It was a guy that, you know, really shouldn't have been able to trouble him for a second really of course Toyagun uh, with a record of 10 and 4 with one draw going in now 10 and 5 uh, moving out now to York Hall Bethnal Green London United Kingdom this is the final card to mention for the review part of the show like I say there really wasn't too much to go over uh, Wadi Camacho went into the fight of course with a record of 21 and 8 it was his 30th fight he ended up getting TKO'd in the 5th round against Dion Juma again Dion Juma a guy that you know he's he's been a pro for quite a while he's had a stop start career and he hadn't really boxed any names Camacho was probably the first name he's boxed and he won well because he got him out of there uh, Camacho was down uh, prior to the stoppage I believe and it was also for the vacant English cruiserweight title so Dion Juma 12-0 a perfect record and the following day uh, Camacho took to social media and announce his retirement. So he's he's had 30 fights and out. Uh, I just want to quickly wish Wadi Camacho all the best from myself and I as Wadi Camacho is pretty much the York Hall champion. I mean, he's had many, many fights time and time again in York Hall. He's, he's you know, beaten the likes of Iqbal. Um, you know, I think he had a couple of fights with Iqbal. Um, the fight against Isaac Chamberlain was just a fight I'll never forget. It was a brilliant, brilliant fight. Even though Chamberlain got the win and his shoulder popped out and, you know, he, he uh, had to really bite down on the gum shield to say the least. Um, you know, he showed a lot of character, but Wadi Camacho showed his toughness and his grit as well in that fight. Um, you know, he's brought us a few brilliant fights, Camacho. It's a shame, really, because he only had 30 fights. He could have had a few more. He was a good fighter, but again, he took quite a lot of punishment, and it's probably the right time. I think he goes out there on the loss, not the way he would have wanted to go out, but, you know, he did himself proud. Even his fight against Stephen Simmons, you know, when he when he started saying, yeah, buddy, all the time, um, and he called Steve, Steve 
Stephen Simmons, the uh, the Cookie Monster. You know, he, he had some good rivalries. Even him and um, him and Lawrence Acoli. People are going to forget this, but he rocked Lawrence Acoli in their fight just for a couple seconds. You know, he was a good fighter, Camacho, and um, he probably didn't really achieve what he could have. I think he was a bit of an underachiever, but a tough guy. And, you know, he really, he really would have fought anyone on, on the British scene, and he did. So credit to him. And I'm just going to quickly share a real quick thing here. I remember being at a press conference. I think it was actually for uh, for Jake Ball and Craig Richards. So that was a copper box show, if I'm not mistaken. And, um, and Lawrence Ocoli, I think, was fighting on the bill. And Camacho came to the press conference... I think it was I think it was this one. But anyway, Camacho was there with his little kid. He's he's got a little daughter, a very young uh, little daughter, cute little girl. And um she she saw some belts on the table, you know, like the top table, the press conference table. Camacho was he wasn't up on the press conference thing. I don't think he was fighting on the bill. He was sitting down in the front row. And um she's gone like, "Daddy, daddy, look at those belts, you know. Can I can I go and see those belts?" And and what he said to his daughter, he goes, no, you don't need to touch those belts. You've got your own ones at home. And I remember just hearing that. It put a smile on my face. I mean, that's a cool thing to be able to say. I mean, you know, just imagine having the belts at home for, for, for your kids to play with as toys. You know, the, the achievements that, that you've you know, you achieved on, on your own back that you've put yourself uh, through, through hard work to get to. You've put your life on the line, so to speak, to win. I mean, that's, that's a brilliant achievement. That just put a smile on my face. That was a cute little thing there that happened. And, um, I mean, I don't know what titles I'm going to be able to show my kids one day. Probably the Burger King title. Uh, but, but that is it. That is it for the review part of the show. Just before we wrap up part one, the last thing to do, of course, is to welcome our very first guest. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the former WBO heavyweight world champion. It is, of course, Mr. Joseph Parker. Joseph, welcome back on the show, my man. Oh, thank you, brother. Thanks for having me back on. It's always a pleasure having you on, Joe. So, uh, last time we spoke, it was in June, not too long ago. It was just before the fight against Alex Leopai. Um, I feel like that fight turned out to be a much tougher fight than a lot of people expected. Um, just a couple words on the fight, Joe. How do you sum up your performance and you know the fight itself? Um, when I look back at that fight, I think it was, um, you know, what's the fight that's been locked in now? I think that was a good sort of fight to sort of lead me into this fight that I have now coming up October 26th. Going into that fight, you know, I felt good, felt strong, fit, you know, um, and I think, you know, as an, as an opponent to sort of last minute change, I think, uh, fighting Alexia fight, you know, the come forward style and very defensive. Didn't really create a lot of opportunity for myself. I caught up a lot of good shots, though, and eventually the ref did his job to stop it. But I guess, um, you know, it was good to get those rounds under my belt, you know, um, 10, 10 rounds. Yeah, for sure. I couldn't believe how tough Leopi was because, I mean, you were landing bombs, really. I mean, not just to the face, but also to the body early on. Um, but on to the next one you mentioned there. This fight has been a fight that we've been talking about as fans for a long time. I personally wasn't sure it would ever happen, but it's on October 26th, O2 Arena. Your opponent, Derek Chisora, a fight here that I know you'll be more than ready for, more than motivated for as well. I'm, listen, I'm very motivated. Chisora is one of those fighters that's been in the game for for a long time, and he's um, you know he's had his ups and downs, but he's coming off you know he's coming off um, a very good win against Spilka. Before that, he had another good win. You know he was doing really well with the Dylan White fight until he got caught with a really nice left hand. So he's a fighter that I mean, even though he's um, a lot of people say he's coming to the end of his career, he's actually done a lot better towards you know this side of his career. And um, 
I think he's the type of fighter that rises to the occasion and rises to the opponents that he faces, and he's always going to come prepared and ready. And he he's one of those fighters that puts the pressure on, throws all the punches, and just goes for it. So he's a very entertaining fighter, and I think fighting someone like him it'll br- bring the best out out of me. And how do you rate Chisora as a fighter, Joe? How dangerous is he in your mind? Oh, he's a, he's always going to be a dangerous fighter. He's <clears throat> like I said, you know he. You know, he put on a great, a great performance with um, with Spielka, um, you know, finishing him in the, in the second round. So he's one of those fighters that, again, if you, you know, you have to prepare very well for what he brings. And he brings pressure, he brings combinations, he brings a lot of punches, a lot of, you know, a lot of big bombs. So, um, you know, he's one of those fighters that you can't underestimate and you can't take lightly. And you've boxed some real good fighters, you know. You've got a real solid resume amongst the, you know, the, the heavyweights in the division. How or where does he rank amongst the toughest guys that you've boxed? Obviously, the likes of Ruiz, the likes of Anthony Joshua, the likes of Dillian White. Where does he rank amongst those guys? Um, you know, those guys. You know, was a, you know, actually, uh, when I look at my resume, I saw some great guys out there, and, and guys that are, you know, guys, guys that are at the top of the division. You know, Ruiz, there's Joshua, there's White, and I think uh, Chisora is pretty close. You know, he's he's one of those, like I said, one of those fighters who has a lot of experience because he's faced a lot of those top guys as well. He's faced Dylan White, he's faced Fury, and he's faced Pulev. So I think he's, um, you know, I think he's 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 pretty much he's pretty up there. He's faced Vitali Klitschko as well, of course. <laughs> Vitali Klitschko as well. So he's faced yeah, he's faced everyone. So you, you know, he's one and he's one of those fighters that doesn't he's not scared and he doesn't shy away from challenges and he always you know he's always prepared and ready did you happen to see i'm sure you must have seen it some of the clips from the press conference did you see the way he kind of went on a bit of an outburst for a while yeah i i saw that i mean you know just so i thought you know i thought that um you know he's he sort of changed a bit and, and gotten a bit more calmer and he's uh but i think after the press conference you could just see that you know he's still you know he can pull. He can pull that out at any time he wants to. Yeah, um, and I want to get your opinion. I think we may have spoke about this last time because we spoke just after the Joshua Ruiz fight had already happened. But the rematch. I mean, how do you see it happening? Obviously, it's it's taking place in Saudi Arabia in December. Um, what do you think now? We may have again. We may have spoke about this before. But how how do you see that one playing out? Who comes out victorious if you had to pick? <laughs> if I had you pick, um, I, I to be honest. I, I have no idea. I see that I see Ruiz, and I, I know that both guys are going to be working very, very hard to put on, you know, a great performance because it's going to be it's, it's not in anyone's hometown, or there's no home advances in Saudi Arabia. So both guys are going to be they're preparing in their camps, they're flying there, and I think um, the way that I've seen Joshua train, and from what I've seen on on online, and that he's trimmed down a lot. I think. Well, for Ruiz having the belt, he's got a lot of confidence going into this fight. So I, 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 for me personally, I still think it's a 50-50 fight. A lot of people say that Joshua is still the favorite to win if he changes up a few things, but you can never sort of take anything away from Andrew Ruiz. He's one of those fighters that, you know, combination, speed, if he catches you, you know. So for me, it's a 50-50 and I just, I'm looking forward to it. And your fight with Chisora, Joe, I know that you're not a guy that likes to talk too much and predict things, but how do you see the, the fight playing out? I mean, when I think about it, I think it's a fight that definitely goes into the second half of the fight. Um, how do you see it playing out, though? Forget about what I think. <laughs> yeah, the way I see Chisora, I think a fighter like himself that comes forward, he's going to create a lot of opportunity for myself. And I know that if I catch him clean, you know, every going into every fight, you always want to put on a great performance and you want to look devastating. 
and you, that's, that's the reason why that we go into these fights because we know, you know we have confidence within ourselves, we back ourselves, and we want to put on a great performance to attract more people to you know, to support you. So the way that I see it is that obviously I back myself to win, but I want to win in a in good fashion, you know. And so I don't know what round, I don't know, I've never picked rounds, but I just hope that I'm able to catch him and put him out of there. And who do you target, Joe? Because, I mean, stylistically, this fight here with Chisora, I'm going to say what I honestly think. I think that your work rate, movement, and punch power will just make Chisora look pretty bad, to be honest. So I, I'm, I'm strongly thinking you're going to win this fight. And not, not too many people wanting to say that over here, but I'm just going to say it. Um, I think you win yeah. this fight in, in, good, in good fashion. But who do you target after that? Because obviously you've got you know AJ tied up with Ruiz, Wilder tied up with Ortiz, Fury tied up with, I mean, a couple guys like Wallin and obviously um, you know the, the, the Wilder and then rematch. Wilder. Exactly. Yeah. So a lot of top guys are all tied up. I mean, who are you kind of looking at if there is anyone for your next one or two fights, even? Or are you just not looking that far ahead? Not to be honest, I'm not looking far ahead. The the, the full focus for myself is just so. And you know, if everything goes well and I get him out of the way, I, I don't care who I fight. Just give me anyone. I, I'm one of those fighters who I just want to keep busy. I want to have the the, the best fights and the biggest fights that I can get, and I'll face I'll face anyone. Doesn't matter. Yeah, I truly believe that as well, Joe. Finally, just before I let you go, any closing words at all to our listeners that support you over here? Listen, uh, all I want to say is to <clears throat> I've gained a lot of support from the UK fans, and it's like you know, New Zealand's my home, Vegas is my home, Samoa is my home, and I actually call the UK my other home because I'm there a lot of the time, you know, fighting, and and so we've gained a lot of um, support. And a lot of fans, and all I want to say is that I'm really thankful and appreciate the support that we're being given. Not only myself, but my team, my family being looked after, and you know, everyone coming up and saying, you know, that all the best. So, just want to say thanks for the great support and showing the love when we're there. And we look, we really look forward to being back in the UK very soon. Hopefully, could put on a good performance for everyone, and um, so they can keep supporting us and keep, uh, you know, and keep wanting us to do good. Absolutely. Well said, Joe. Listen, it is always a pleasure catching up with you, my brother. Best of luck for October 26th, and we'll certainly speak sometime after. Thank you, brother. Okay, now it's time for part two on this week's show. Normally we do the news, but there isn't really anything that's happened this week, uh, just yet anyway. I mean, we're we're obviously recording the show. It takes a while to gather everything, so if anything does happen, I will discuss it or mention it at least at the very end of the show. But let's move on now to the preview part here. We're going to start at the Caesars Palace in Dubai, United Arab Emirates again tomorrow night. We've got... Abbas Barrao, 6-0, he's in a 10-rounder against Abdul Ghani Saber, who has a record of 8-0 with one draw. Uh, Saber, I think, has got eight wins by knockout, and that one draw um, came against a debutant, I believe, and the debutant hasn't ever fought since, so it's hard to know how good he is. But again, Barrao, a very good amateur, um, he beat... Carlos Molina in the pros, very, very controversially in Germany. Uh, Carlos Molina actually gave me the gloves that he boxed Abbas Barrao in. I've got those in my house. Um, but yeah, shout out to Barrao because he's, he, you know, he's a promising talent and credit to him for fighting Carlos Molina in like his fourth or fifth fight, something like that, um, even though I don't think he won the fight. But anyways, also on the bill, friend of the show, Andrew Selby, 11-1, and one, no opponent just yet for him, but it's weird to see him fighting in Dubai. 
Um, moving out now to the Madison Square Garden Theatre again. This is all tomorrow night, so this one's going to be on Sky Sports and, of course, The Zone for our US listeners. Uh, the undercard, let's start with that. Daniel Yelusinov, 7 and 0, the 2016 Olympic gold medalist. He takes on the undefeated Reshard Hicks, who is 12 and 0 with one draw. Also on the bill, Heather Hardy, 22 and 0. She takes on Amanda Serrano. I think Serrano's a six or seven weight world champion. She is a complete legend, and she likes to fight in in MMA as well as boxing. Honestly, she is just a pure fighter. I'm a huge fan of her. Never had a boyfriend. Never had a phone. Um, really hasn't got many friends. She just talks to her sister, who also boxes, and her manager. She's just a diehard um, gym rat, pretty much. And uh, you know what a fighter. You cannot. Uh, cannot disrespect her at all. 36-1 and one with one draw. Uh, that fight, by the way, is over 10 two-minute rounds for the interim WBC and the WBO World Female Featherweight title. Also on that bill, very good fight here, and we've gone to the predictions on it, Ayaz. Michael Hunter, 17-1. and one. Of course, that one loss to Usyk on points. This is for his WBA Intercontinental Heavyweight title. In the other corner, former opponent of David Price, Sergei Kuzmin, 15-0. and 0. Uh, Kuzmin most recent win, I believe, was against Joey DeWaco, who supposedly um, had had uh, Joshua in all sorts of trouble before the Ruiz fight. But that is a rumor. Uh, this fight is happening. Hunter Kuzmin, I ask, talk to me. Um, I think it's gonna be a very good fight. But if I'm gonna go with a win, I'm gonna go to Hunter to win by points. Okay, short and sweet. Hunter on points. Let me just see what the listeners said about that one. Um, oh, I had it here, and I've completely lost it. I think it was very wide to Hunter. Let me just quickly confirm. Uh, yeah, Hunter by knockout. I think I'm going to agree with that. Hunter's been looking brilliant, actually. A string of knockouts. He's been really impressing. One of the best fighters and one of the most underrated fighters in the heavyweight division, hands down. He actually tried to fly me out to New York for this fight. Logistically, it just couldn't work. But, um, yeah, I wish, I'd, I wish I could have been there. Um, so yeah, 57% of people going with Hunter by KO, 39% going with Hunter on points, no one at all backing Kuzmin for the knockout, and only 4% backing Kuzmin on points, so quite surprising to see how stacked it is in Hunter's favour, I know he's the favourite, but um, that's a tough, tough fight, a lot of, you know, a lot of uh, hardcore boxing fans think that's really, really tough to call a winner there. Uh, the main event though, a brilliant fight by the way. Um, Devin Haney, 22-0. It's for the interim WBC World Lightweight title. So Devin Haney gets a crank there. It's it's like a you know a, a late kind of change. I don't think there was a belt on the line before, but this one again, like I just said, is for the interim WBC World title. In the other corner, Zor Abdalaev, 11-0 as a professional. Um, half the experience in terms of pro fights, but Abdalaev was a real seasoned amateur, but then again, so was Devin Haney, really. But um, Abdalaev holds a brilliant win over Hank Lundy, which, you know, some people probably forget about. He beat him on points, but, you know, he won it quite clearly, and that was a few fights back now, so to beat a guy like Hank Lundy, when you've only had, I think it was about eight fights at the time, for me, that's a big statement there. Um, That is a brilliant fight. Like I say, for those that don't know about Abdalaev, you're perhaps thinking it's another dull opponent for Haney it's really not this is a big step up and this is the toughest opponent Devin Haney would have fought thus far believe you me uh, moving out now to the York Hall in Bethnal Green, London. This one is a Frank Warren card. It's going to be on ESPN Plus, and I believe it's going to be on BT Sport. Um, 
Let's start with the undercard here. We have Umar Sadiq, 6-1. He's in a six-rounder against Luke Blackledge, 26-8 with, with uh, two draws. Great fight, really. Um, Sadiq, obviously... You know, he was thrown in the deep end a little bit when he took on Zach Chelly. Both men put it all on the line. They put their undefeated records on the line. But Sadiq came up short and he showed that he is a good fighter, even though he lost. You know, it was a brilliant, brilliant fight there at the Brentwood Center. Can't believe it actually happened there. Um, but yeah, he gets in against Blackledge, who for me is past his best, but it's still a good test for him, actually. Um, he's got way more experience as a pro, Blackledge. Uh, also on the bill, we just spoke about him there. Zach Chelly, 7 0. He takes on Welsh. Cody Davies 9-0 that's going to be a cracking fight there over 10 rounds there really should be a belt on the line because both men are great fighters but there's nothing on the line unfortunately just the pride and believe me that is one of the fights that I think is just you know a brilliant brilliant fight really um there's a few fights this weekend that I think are unmissable pretty much. And those fights are Michael Hunter against Kuzmin, Devin Haney against Abdalaev, we mentioned them. And this one, Zach Chelly against Cody Davis, obviously a few levels down from the two fights I've mentioned there. But trust me, that is going to be a brilliant, brilliant fight. I'm so interested in that one. Uh, Dex Spellman, 16-2. and He takes on Shakam Pitters, 12-0. and That one's for the English light heavyweight title. Obviously, Pitters, the guy that came out on top in that... Um, that tournament, the uh, the Ultimate Boxer Tournament. Good fighter, Shakam Pitters. Very, very big for the weight as well. Um, that one is for, like I say, the light heavyweight English title. Brilliant fight there, over 10 rounds. Uh, also on the bill, Horny Harvey Horn, Triple H, 6-0. and He's in an eight-rounder against journeyman Elvis Gwillen, who's 9-57 and with four draws. And topping the bill, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, also, 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 almost missed this one here. Uh, Brad Foster, 11-0 and with one draw. He fights for the British Super Bantamweight title. He puts it on the line against Lucian Reed, 8-0 with one draw. So, um, yeah, that's a brilliant fight. Once again, Lucian Reed, a guy that's been begging for a step up, and he gets it here. So we're going to finally see how good he is. Um, so this this bill is full of brilliant fights. It's, it's honestly a great, great card. If you can get down there, I think there may still be a couple tickets on the door. Do not miss it. It's the place to be on Saturday night. Uh, and topping the bill, Sonny Edwards, 12-0. He's in a 10-rounder against Rosendo Guaneros. Um, that one's for Sonny's IBF International Superflyweight title. Guerrero 16 and 2 with two draws. Sonny Edwards 12 and 0. Obviously, um, Charlie Edwards the other week um, managed to retain his title, but not in the fashion that he would have liked. And Sonny gave a real honest interview to IFL TV, and he basically said, We got saved there. We got let off the hook there because Charlie was going to probably lose. They were big words to come from Sonny. I was quite surprised to see him be that honest. But to be fair to him, he's a very honest guy. And it's not the first time he's come out with something that could potentially upset a few people. Um, even those people close to him. But he's come out and said it because he's quite an honest guy. He's a friend of the show, Sonny Edwards. He's been on before. And um, he's one of my favourite fighters to watch, believe it or not. So all the best to Sonny. Uh, moving out now to the Dignity Health Sports Park in Carson, California, USA. Let's start here with the undercard. Again, a brilliant fight. One that's gone under the radar. Um, silly enough as it is because it shouldn't have gone over the, or under the radar. Ryan Garcia, 18-0, and the Golden Boy prospect. He takes on Avery Sparrow. 10 and 1. Again, Avery Sparrow in his last fight took on 
I think it was Hank Lundy. And a lot of people, including myself, thought Hank Lundy would win. And Avery Sparrow had him down a couple of times, and I think he beat him on points. So I'm really impressed with Avery Sparrow. He is a good puncher, and he should give a good test there to Ryan Garcia. So I'm really intrigued to see how that one plays out. Uh, also on the card, but the main event, uh, Jaime Munguia, 33-0. and It's for his WBO World Super Welterweight title. He takes on Patrick Alote, or Alotai, I think it's said. Uh, 40-3 Alotai has one of the most padded records I've ever seen. Um, I'm not going to say, by the way, Luigi, if you're listening, I'm not saying that Italians are padded anymore. That is banned. Iaz isn't allowed to say it either. Italians are no longer padded. Patrick Alatai takes it to a new level. This is the best padding you'll ever see. 40 wins against guys that I've never even heard of. Lots and lots of them had losing records. This is one of the worst padded records I've ever seen. It's an easy touch here for Mungia, you'd feel. Uh, moving out now, though, to the T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas, Nevada, USA. It's a bit of a star-studded kind of undercard, really, even though the fights aren't fantastic. Let's start here with a 10-round fight between Carlos Cuadras, 38-3 and with one draw against Jose Maria Cardenas, who's 17-4. and uh, Felix Valera, 18-2. and He's in a 10-rounder against Vacheslav Shabransky, 20-2. and That one should be quite interesting. Our very own friend of the show, Isaac Lowe, undefeated, 18-0 and with three draws. He gets in against Ruben Hernandez, 25 and 4 with two draws. That's a 10 rounder there. You might have remembered the name Ruben Garcia Hernandez because he actually boxed Michael Conlon back in back in March and he went the distance with him. He's also the guy that um, that fought Nanito Denair a couple of years back and he went the distance with Denair. Um, he's only actually been stopped the one time and that was against Randy Caballero back in 2016. So he's mixed it at quite a high level. So I really like that fight there for Isaac Lowe. He needs to be on his A game to win that one and remain undefeated. He certainly doesn't want another draw by any means. Um... But yeah, the fight with Valera and Shabransky. Again, Shabransky's not a bad fighter. He can really punch. I mean, he's got the second round knockout loss to Sergei Kovalev. And since then, he hasn't been active, really. He's had the one fight. Because that Kovalev loss was back in 2017. Um, and like I say, he's had the one fight and he's back against Valera. But other than that, he was a solid fighter, really, Shabransky. His other loss came to Sullivan Barrera. Uh, Valera is another guy who I think we thought was going to be, you know, going to be really good. He's a tough guy. He got in there with Dimitri Bivol when Dimitri Bivol was only six and zero, and he went the distance with him and lost. And then he took on Sullivan Barrera. He lost to him. So both men have got the loss to Barrera, but um, they're both tough guys, and they can both punch. So it's a tough fight. I really, really like the matchmaking there. That could be a fifty-fifty barn burner actually. Uh, also on the bill, a great fight here. Jose Pedraza, twenty-six and two. It's the battle of the Jose. He takes on Jose Zapida, 30 and 2. Obviously, Zapida, former opponent of Terry Flanagan, and he also boxed uh, Jose Ramirez in his fight before the last one. And he gave he gave um, Ramirez a couple of problems. That's over 10 rounds there. Um, I'm missing out a couple of predictions here, I think, guys. Uh, how do you see that one going between Pedraza and Zapida, by the way, the Battle of the Jose's? Um, I don't really know much about Jose Pedraza because the last time I saw him fought was actually Flanagan. But if I'm going to... That's the pity, that's the pity. You saw, you saw oh. um, Pedraza against Lomachenko and all that, right? Oh, oh, oh so it's the Peter, yes. And I remember... Um, I didn't. I don't know much about Jose Peter. Last time I was in fight was against Tony Flanagan. And I remember watching Jose Pedraza fighting Javonta Davis, yeah. Steve, uh, Stephen Smith as well, and also Vasil Lomachenko. Yeah, yeah. If I'm going to go with the probably win, I'm going to have to go win with Jose Pedraza win, to win by points. Yeah, I think that's a safe bet. The listeners agree on that as well. 
Um, yeah, Zapida, that fight with Flanagan, that's where his, his shoulder came out, and Flanagan won the vacant world title in bad fashion, really, because it, you know, it kind of spoiled what was going to be a good fight. Um, I also missed this one out, I as uh, Zach Chelly against Cody Davies. I mean, it's probably going to be hard for you to split the pair because that's a brilliant fight between two undefeated prospects, but I missed out the prediction. Uh, the listeners have gone with Chelly on points. Oh, that's a hard one. That is a hard, hard one. I think I'm going to go with... Oh, that's such a hard one. That is such a hard one. I think I'm going to go Chelly on points, but that is... That is a 50-50 if there is one. Boy, oh boy. Okay, if I'm going to go with a winner on that one, I'm going to have to go with Zach Chelly to win on points. I think he's an upcoming star, and I'm going to go with him to win. Yeah, he looks pretty special, Zach Chelly. I'll never forget when he came out on his debut to the Sopranos theme tune, he made a fan of me straight away. And, you know, I've been watching him ever since then, and he's a he's a big puncher. He's a very exciting fighter. Um, but, yeah, we all agree there on Chelly on points, so... Should be interesting. Also on this on this uh, undercard, Emmanuel Navarrete, the Dog Bay Slayer, twenty eight and one. He puts his WBO World Super Bantamweight title on the line against Juan Miguel Elorde. Now this guy Elorde holds a record of twenty eight and one. The one loss came uh, way back in twenty eleven to a guy called Jer- Jerry Guevara, who only ended up having a few fights and ended up retiring in twenty fifteen. So you can't read too much into it, but you can look at his wins, and they're they're there for everyone to see. Um, you know, he's not he's not boxing at at the top level. I mean, I, I cannot believe he's even got himself a ranking with the WBO. To be honest, um, you know, he's boxed for the Asian Pacific title a couple of times, but against real poor opposition. And I'm guessing that's probably how he got his ranking. But honestly, this is another real easy touch for Navarrete. And the size of him to actually still make super bantamweight is scary. And he only boxed a few weeks ago. I think he only boxed about... It was probably about four weeks ago he boxed. I'm sure he boxed about four weeks ago. And, um, you know, he's back again against this guy here. They've got exact, you know, exact same records, 28-1. and one, But Navarrete is going to completely blow him away, I'd feel. And the main event, I ask, Tyson Fury, 28-0 with that one controversial draw with Deontay Wilder. He takes on Otto Wallin, 20-0. Few people not happy with a fight, I ask. I mean, it's, it's, it definitely shouldn't be a pay-per-view card, but talk to me about the fight itself. Otto Wallin, obviously a Swedish pro. I mean, it's going to be, um, it shouldn't be a pay-per-view in my opinion as well, obviously, because just the name of the fight. But obviously, I think from, from personally, from this point of view, I think it's going to be like another Tom. It's going to be the same fight like a Tom Shorts, and I think that Tyson Fury is going to stop him. Yeah. Do you think it's early or or do you think it goes late? I think it's, I think Tyson Fury is just going to play about and obviously just gets a bit more rounds. And obviously he's beating, he's knocked out, uh, knocked out Schwartz, and obviously needs a bit more round before he faces Wilder. And obviously if I'm going, if I, I think it's going to stop him in the late seven, six, seven rounds. Okay, so around about the midway point, yeah. Uh, the listeners also agree in Fury by knockout, 68% and 20% Fury on points. No one really giving Wallin a chance. 8% with a knockout, 4% with the points. Yeah, I mean, you've got you've to back Fury to win by knockout. Again, I think it goes a few rounds. I don't think it's as quick and as one-sided as Schwartz. I think Fury's going to look good. I think Fury's going to play with him a little bit, like you said, Iaz. But I actually think Wallin's a decent-ish fighter. I don't think he's as bad as the 
the you know the negativity he's been getting. I don't think he's that bad, but um, you know it, it should still be a one-sided Fury win. I'm sure it will be. Like I say, we're trying to whiz through everything as quick as possible this week. We don't want to keep you waiting. There's a lot going on in our personal lives as well. So let's try to whiz through this as quick as we have been. Uh, let's move now to the Resort World Catskills Casino in Catskill, New York, USA. Um, one fight to mention actually over here, a man that we know very well, Carlos Takam. Um, today's record is 36-5 and five with one draw. It's a weird one because I don't know why he's fighting out here, but he takes on Craig Lewis, 14-3 and three with one draw. You look at the record and it's, it's not appeasing really. I mean, especially his last four fights, um, you know, three losses in his last four fights. One to Junior Farr, one to Jermaine Franklin, one to Demetrius Banks. Um, you know, it's, it's it's a bad look. I mean, he's got a win against Galen Brown, a journeyman who Eddie Chambers knocked out um, a, a few years back. And other than that, I mean, I'm looking down this record and it is terrible. This is going to be... I mean, I wouldn't even sanction this fight because that is just... I just can't believe it's been sanctioned, to be honest. This is poor. This is poor. So, yeah, I'm expecting Carlos Takam to win that by a landslide, really. A, an early knockout, in fact. Um, well, I say that. The one thing about Lewis, he hasn't been stopped in his three losses. So, maybe it goes a few rounds. But Takam's so strong. He's like a bull. Uh, that's a 10-rounder there. Will it go the distance? Probably not. And the final bill to mention happens at the Sands Bethlehem Event Center in Pennsylvania, USA. Just one fight to mention, really. Good friend of the show, Michael Fox, the very, very tall 140 fighter. I think he stands at six foot four. 20 and 1 is the record. The one loss was very, very highly disputed, very controversial. He probably should still be undefeated in my book. He takes on Yudi Bernardo, who's got a record of 25 and 4. That is over 10 rounds there. Michael Fox in a tough fight once again. I mean, he's had a couple of fights back-to-back now with real good amateurs. Um, in his last fight, he beat the, the Olympic gold medalist Fazladin Gabe Nazarov. He beat him um, fair and square over 10 rounds. And like I say, Bernardo a bit different. Probably not as tough of a test as those guys. A little bit more crude, but... Um, you know, he has mixed it at a very high level. He's boxed the likes of Mario Barrios, uh, you know, Mason Menard, a couple of other guys. So, should be interesting, but of course, we're back in our man, Michael Fox, to get the win. Uh, we, we, like I say, we have tried to whiz through everything as quick as possible this week. There's a lot going on in the background. That is everything for the preview part of the show. Just before we wrap up part two, of course, the final thing to do is to welcome our second and final guest. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the former WBC and IBF super middleweight champion, but also the undisputed reigning middleweight champion of the world. It is, of course, Miss Clarissa Shields. Clarissa, welcome back on the show. Hey, thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure, Clarissa. We last spoke back in February. Uh, it was just before the Christina Hammer fight. Um, how did you sum up your performance that night, Clarissa? Because from my point of view, I mean, I was massively looking forward to the fight. On paper, it was supposed to be competitive, but you absolutely dominated her and you showed that you are on another level to such a brilliant fighter, which Hammer actually is. I think my performance against Hammer was, uh, I guess they can say my best performance as of today, you know, like not like my best performance ever, but as far as in my professional uh, career, I was the most comfortable uh, entering with her, and um, I showed a lot of things that people thought that I couldn't do, like, uh, you know, jab, first of all, head movement, defense. Um, I already knew 
from watching film of Hammer, I knew that I could beat her, but I guess uh, people thought she was just supposed to get in there and, you know, run me over, but that wasn't the case, and I was able to become undisputed champion in nine fights. So I think I did a, I think I did a pretty good job. <laughs> yeah, like I say, I was really impressed. I mean, you, you were just unbelievable that night. Definitely your best performance in my eyes. Um, obviously, you won all the belts at middleweight. You became the undisputed champion of the world. Was that the quickest it's ever been done, just nine fights? Yeah, I believe so. Excellent. All four belts. Yep. And on to the next one. Ivana Habazin for the vacant WBO 154-pound world title. Obviously, this is your chance to become the quickest freeweight world champion in history. And obviously, it's a lot harder to move down the weights rather than move up. And, you know, you've been moving down. What, yeah, what will it mean to you? I agree. Yeah, exactly. What will it mean to you, to, to you personally, Clarissa, to beat Lomachenko's record of being the quickest freeweight world champion and just to do it in 10 fights? You know, just to step aside from Lomachenko, it means a lot to me that, you know, that I'm uh, disciplined enough to even make 154. You know, to make 154 pounds, I haven't been that size since I was 16 years old, and now I'm 24, and here I am in the best shape of my life, getting down to 154 pounds for history. And, uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be a great feat beating Lomachenko's record, but then it's just showing that not only men can do it, but women can do it too. And I'm just so happy that, you know, I was that I was chosen by God to be that woman. So I'm the woman who got to go down and wait to capture this third uh, weight class and uh, do it within 10 fights. And I'm just super excited about all of it and uh, just really ready to perform on a fifth. And, of course, you've boxed in Michigan before as a pro, but this time the fight actually happens in Flint. It's pretty much on your doorstep. Again, I'm sure that gives you the, the extra <laughs> the extra 10% push to be performing in front of your fans, your friends, your family, probably some of your neighbors as well. <laughs> uh, absolutely. I mean, it doesn't really matter where I fight at. I go out there and perform the same way. But uh, it's just great to know that I could do it all. You know, I could do it wherever it's supposed to happen at how it's supposed to happen, and uh, it's going to be a great push for my hometown because they've been with me the whole time. They've, they've traveled all the way to Vegas to see me fight, to L.A., to Atlanta City, to Detroit. Now we get to finally do it in Flint, and uh, I'm excited about that. Yeah, for sure. And about your opponent, Ivana Habazin, obviously a former world champion in, in her own right. She holds a record of 20 and 3. Uh, she hasn't lost a fight since before you turned professional. She's a decent fighter, uh, Clarissa. I mean, a lot of people don't know too much about her, but yeah. what do you know about her? Um, I know the same thing, you know, that she's a decent fighter. I do my homework on all the girls that I, you know, potentially have to fight. And uh, I've been new about her. You know, people may not pay a lot of attention to her, but I pay attention to anybody who's close to any weight class that I'm at. So um, I've watched some film of her. I've seen her when she fought against Cecilia Brockett. Um, I've seen a few of her other fights. And I, I and I can just say, like, she's quick on her hands. She's, you know, very uh, elusive. And uh, she throws wild punches. And that's from just from what I see for right now. And of course, another factor of this fight, as I mentioned, as you mentioned, the weight cut. I mean, I personally didn't actually think you'd end up going down to 154. I'm going to be honest. I know that you said it was your goal early on in your career to do that, and fair play to you for following it through. It can't be easy, though, Clarissa. I mean, how how easy slash difficult has it been to get down to 154? Because, like you say, you haven't weighed that that light for a long time. Um, 
you know, losing weight in general is just not something that any boxer loves to do. You're not ever going to meet a fighter who say, I enjoy uh, losing weight. You just, you're just not going to do it. Um, I'm, I'm strictly doing it for the history. And my body is actually made for 154 and 160. And my natural weight is walk around at 168, 175-ish. So, you know, 54, it's, it's a challenge, but it isn't that big of a challenge. It's just more of, it's more of a mental challenge as far as in, you know, me being able to eat how I eat and being able to, you know, have a cheat day, you know, twice a week, once a week. Now my cheat days have been limited and, you know, not a lot of sugar intake and a lot of running and drinking a whole lot of water. And, you know, just with that, um, that like that can be discipline in it in itself and then on top of actually training for the fight. So it's a few things added, but nothing I haven't dealt with before. And I want to get your take on a couple of other things. Um, we haven't spoke since the Katie Taylor fight against Delphine Pursum. Uh Did you watch that at all, Clarissa? If so, who did you have winning that fight? I was there live. Ah, okay. <laughs> who did you have winning? <laughs> um, I actually thought it was a draw. I thought nobody won. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I thought. I thought. I thought Katie had a, a strong beginning of the fight using her speed, and I felt like. Uh, Delphine held the power, held the power, uh, the power over the fight, and uh, toward the end of the fight, uh, looked like Katie Taylor was close to almost being stopped, you know, uh, from the pressure of Delphine Pursuit. And I don't know if that's because she maybe had maybe punched herself out early on, but she was taking some really big shots the last five rounds of the fight. And I mean, I either would have had a six-four for Delphine Pursuit. Or a six-four for Katie, but it looked like it was a five-five fight to me, and that they should definitely run it back and uh, see who's the winner. Yeah, I agree, hundred percent. It was a brilliant, brilliant fight. Um, obviously, you mentioned you were ringside. That also means you would have been ringside for the huge upset that happened a few fights later. Um, how do you see the rematch playing out, Clarissa? I know you're a massive fan of Anthony, but in your honest opinion, December seventh in Saudi Arabia, how do you see it playing out? Um, December 7th, I see it playing out for Anthony Joshua. Uh, people are going to say I'm biased, but, um, I am, you know, when it, uh, when it, when it, when it comes to AJ, but I think, um, every fighter needs to have that loss, you know, and I feel like, um, that that loss was needed, you know, like AJ, few, a few of AJ fights before the Indy Ruiz fight, I'm like, you know, I was asking myself, like, where is his dog at? You know, where is his mean streak at that he used to have? And sometimes when you get comfortable and you're successful and money and, and uh, you know, you win all the fights, sometimes, like, that hunger can go away a little bit. I think that Anthony – I think that Andy Ruiz may have gave Anthony Joshua back his hunger because now, like, not only did you beat him, but you knocked him out, embarrassed him. And now, you're, and now you see now we have a different Anthony Joshua. You see Anthony Joshua now who's clapping back, one who's not taking no shit from nobody. You can definitely see that he's up his training, he's slimming down. And just his attitude and uh, his persona now is just like, he's mad. And I've been, like, wanting to see that out of, like, out of him. And I think that he's going to go out there and really, like, put it all on the line to make sure he doesn't lose to Andy Ruiz again. And Andy Ruiz is so comfortable right now. You know, he's walking to the press conference with his little Mexican hat on and stuff. And 
keep buying Gucci shoes. He eating pizza. I mean, this dude is living his best life. He he, he just became the the first Mexican uh, heavyweight champion. So he's kind of living it up right now. He bought his mom a house and cars and stuff. And it's a lot to take on being a world champion. It really is. And I feel like Andrew Ruiz may be like he may just be living in this moment, but he got but he has to come back to reality that the fight will happen again and that in order for him to remain champ, he got to pull out way more than what he did last fight, knowing that Anthony Joshua isn't going to just lay down for him this fight, that he's coming prepared knowing, like, Andrew Ruiz is no joke. So now when you know that somebody is no joke, you take them way more serious and you train way more harder. And I think that AJ's going to get the win. That's what I think. It's an interesting point you make because we've seen it time and time again where you know a fighter takes a loss and it can be a blessing in disguise. They, you know, it can kind of make you or break you in a fight that big. So it will be interesting to see how he comes back. And um, yeah, Andy Ruiz is certainly living his best life. Uh, I don't know if you saw his birthday celebrations; they were quite something. <laughs> um, Clarissa, what what do you see? What do you see yourself doing? next i mean a lot of boxers don't like to look too far ahead but you seem to do it from time to time as i said you predicted an eventual move down in weight to 154 um can you see past this next fight i mean obviously savannah marshall's now signed with eddie hearn she's been talking about trying to fight you in 2020 have you looked that far how do you see the next couple fights playing out if you've looked that far at all one savannah marshall don't run shit we gonna fight when i want to fight and I've been wanting to fight her since I turned pro. I want to fight her this year. And now she thinks that her and Eddie are going to call some shots and tell me that we're going to fight her in 2020. And no, I'm going to fight her when I'm ready, in which I've been ready. But she want to talk about she want to get 16 fights and all these fights and all this crap. She don't She don't run the show. You know what I mean? I'm the middleweight. I'm just here to camp. So it's a better margin to get her ass kicked whenever she's ready. But they're not going to make me move away from my plans. Um, I'm going to be at 54 uh, for my next fight. And it depends on how I feel during, uh, during this fight and how I perform. I'd rather I stay at 54 or rather I go back up to 160. And uh, if I feel good at 154, I want to become undisputed at 154. I would love to rematch Hannah Gabriel um, because not because the fight that we had was close, but I feel like I dominated her. It's just more because she's one of the belt holders up at 154, and she does a little smack. She does a little, you know, trash talk about how she knocked me down, but I keep I, I keep having to remind everybody, like, I got knocked down, and I got back up, and I won a fight, and I won every round after the knockdown. So um, she's doing a little bit of smack, so I'll let her smash her again. Any <laughs> um, other belt holders, you know what I mean? Like, I don't really talk about fighters who don't got belts. Like, Savannah Marshall, she may have beat me when I was 17 years old, but she didn't beat me. After I won my Olympic gold medals, she beat me before, and I won two Olympics after that, two world championships. I won everything after that. While she kind of fell under the radar, and you know kept getting third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, and eighth place in all her tournaments, and I was getting first and everything. So even now, even when they mention her now, I'm not bitter about it. She just like really using me to sell herself. You know what I mean? Like she needs some clout. She needs some popularity. And it's like her whole life is just built on, oh, I beat Clarissa Shields when she was 17, or I beat Clarissa Shields in the amateurs, I'm the only person to do it. And it's like nobody really nobody really cares. I mean, I don't. 
I don't care. You know, she didn't win anything after she beat me. She didn't win the Olympics where where me and her both competed at. She didn't win the world where me and her both competed at. I mean, I've I've stood over her on the podium. I've beat five girls who have dismantled Savannah Marshall in the amateurs. And it's like nobody talks about who beat her in the amateurs, so why should they talk about who beat me in the amateurs? It's like I'm an undisputed champ. I'm not going to keep letting Savannah Marshall live off my accomplishments. She didn't beat Clarissa Shields, the two-time Olympic gold medalist, undisputed middleweight champ. She beat Clarissa Shields, who was 17, and barely had any traveling experience or what is it, uh, international experience. I think that's like, it was my second international tournament. So it was like, and I had just turned 17. So it was more of just like she's living off that when it's like, yo, that was seven years ago. Let it go in a in a fucking accomplish something, you know, accomplish something in your own life instead of trying to live like, oh, since she become undisputed champion, I get to say I'd be the undisputed champ. Like, no, you didn't. You beat a girl that was 17 years old who didn't have no international experience. <laughs> that, that's what you beat. And you didn't beat me by far. It's by, it, it, it was on a point system, 14 points to eight, you know. So it wasn't like, oh, she just went out there and, like, knocked me out or nothing. It was on a point system. I went all four rounds. I did great in the fight. And uh, it, it just didn't go my way. But it's not something that uh, – that she needs to keep trying to celebrate. Like, they're going to have a party and going to talk about me every interview and every social media thing she do. Like, that's just, I don't know, it's kind of stupid to me. It's kind of silly. <laughs> well, like I say, the... Uh... You know the history is there, and if a fight should happen in the future, it, it will certainly be one that's you know that the, the public will buy into. Um, finally, Clarissa, I like to always throw it over to you just to have a final say. If you've got any closing words for our listeners, obviously most of our listeners are from the UK. I know you get mixed reception from the UK. Some some people over here love you, some people over here not your biggest fan. But what's your message anyway <laughs> to the to the lovers? To everybody in the UK, to all my fans, I really appreciate you guys. Um, I just got my passport today, so I should be making a trip, uh, a, a, a trip over there after you know my uh, my uh, fight on Showtime, and I plan on coming over to some big fights and to meet some of my fans and to meet some of the girl boxing groups and stuff like that. So I uh, just want to tell you guys, thank you for being supportive, and uh, I look forward to coming over there and fighting one day. Great words, Clarissa. Thank you so much for those. It is always great catching up with you. It's it's great catching up with you. You know that. Best of luck as always for October 5th, and we'll catch up sometime after for sure. Okay. Thank you. Okay, and this wraps up episode 204 of the Box Hard Podcast. I've been your host, Joey Coastman. I as Sumra has been I as Sumra. A massive thank you to our two guests on this week's show, the former WBO heavyweight world champion, Joseph Parker, and of course, the reigning undisputed middleweight world champion, the former super middleweight world champion, the double Olympic gold medalist, Miss Clarissa Shields. The Prediction League is back this week. Best of luck with that. I'd like to thank you all. Honestly, it really does mean a lot to myself and I as for all the listeners that we get remember to tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend leave us a review on itunes you never know you could end up getting a box hard podcast t-shirt out of it but that is about everything uh remember enjoy your weekends people there's a lot of action this weekend tomorrow being friday the following day being saturday lots and lots of boxing to watch watch it all stay safe enjoy your weekends and we shall see you all again next week